0: Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA Podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Welcome again to Real Life Church. I'm Jim Miller, I'm your pastor. It's great to be with you online, distantly, far away, wherever you are. Uh, I love the chance that we get to worship uh, no matter where we are. And I'm think i thankful that in this new season, we've learned to worship in new ways. Hey, I've got good news in the life of the church. Uh, We had our vacation Bible school a week ago, and we've got our faith candle lit up here that we light every time somebody decides to follow Jesus for the first time. And at vacation Bible school last week, 56 kids decided to follow Jesus for the first time. That is amazing. That's such good news. And uh, it comes about because... uh, because we do this, this incredible party for kids every year at VBS. And this year, because we own a preschool, uh, they, they sent 33 kids from the preschool over to our VBS. And 15 of those were among the kids who decided to follow Jesus. So we celebrate that. That is great news in the life of those kids. And you imagine a kid who might not have a church, might not have a family that goes to church for the first time realizing that there's a God who made them and who loves them. And What a deep realization that could be, even in a tiny little heart. Uh, And that can actually pivot a kid's life. I've met adults who grew up without a a church, grew up in a family that didn't go to church, but every summer they had this this mountaintop experience, this summer check-in at a church or a camp or a VBS, and it changed their lives. And as adults, they went seeking that out because they had had this annual experience as kids. So I'm so thankful that you're a church that would support that kind of thing and sponsor that kind of thing and allow us to do that uh, every single year. If you see our staff, if you run into Stacy or Raul or Anthony, make sure you stop and say thank you to them because it is an exhausting week. Uh, in the hottest time of the year, I don't know why we do that, hottest week of the year, we pick every year. Uh, make sure you say thank you to them because they really pour their, their hearts into that uh, and, uh, and get themselves really worn out. So say thank you to them. Hey, we're gonna continue in our series of teachings now called Know What I Like About Jesus. Uh, and uh, I wanna to talk to you about something fascinating that I saw in the Bible recently. Uh, I, love, I love the fact that you can read the Bible your whole life long and always discover new things in it that you had not seen before. And so every morning, I spend a little time every morning and I read about a chapter of the Bible a day. A chapter's half a page. Uh, That's about my my reading level. And I try to read about half a chapter a day uh, every morning. And, you know, occasionally something will just jump out at me that I had not seen before. And uh, I, I noticed that there are three different times in the Bible where somebody tries to cross an ocean or a sea, and they do it in very different ways. And I realize there's sort of a profound spiritual truth about the moments in the Bible where somebody tries to cross the sea. And so as I pray for us this morning, you think about You pay attention to the prayer, but also think about what you think those three times are. Can you think of those three times somebody tried to cross the sea? Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much that you came down here and walked among us that we might draw close to you and know you and follow you. I thank you for all the kids in our church who have decided to turn in your direction and and accept uh, your love for them. God bless them that they might grow in you and know you more and learn to be your disciples. Surround them with friends who will love them and bring them up in the faith. Jesus, help us as we face the turbulence of life, as we face the waters of life. Help us to to know that you'll carry us through it. Help us to see your hand at work as we cross the waters. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, Talking about crossing the waters is important right now because you and I are about to cross cross uh, some very important waters. Uh, there was a season in the life of our church where I preached through the book of Exodus from beginning to end because I knew there was going to be a big movement in our church out of a school we were meeting in and into we didn't know where. We were looking for the promised land. And uh, preached through that book and sure enough, uh, not long thereafter, we found this building that we now meet in. Uh, and uh, so that was, a, that was a prophetic sermon series. I've got, a, I've got another uh, prophetic word for you today. We are gonna cross some waters as a church this coming fall. They're good waters, but it involves change. And so, uh, let me begin to prepare us for all the things that are coming. Uh, I know some of us are still worshiping online, and it feels like not a lot has changed in the last year, but many of us are back here on Sundays now. And uh, you see we've opened up the building, that's changed things. We've opened up our, our chapel, so on Sunday mornings, some of us gather in the sanctuary, some of us gather in the chapel. Uh, before too long, probably at the end of August, we're going to put our band back in the chapel as well, so there are two uh broader worship experiences going on at the same time. There's a, there'll be a band in both rooms and a host pastor in both rooms, and then we video feed the sermon to the chapel. Uh, and so that, that's coming soon. And then pretty soon thereafter, we're going to bring back our brunch. If you were here at the beginning of 2019, right when we moved to three worship services at that time, we started something that I've never seen before. This was our own little experiment, and it was not a brunch after church, and it was not a brunch before church. It was a brunch worship service. You had brunch while participating in worship. And as I told you, I've never seen that done before, probably because most people are afraid that they're going to sing and spit eggs on somebody. We don't do any of that. We've got a way to work this out. Uh, but, but brunch was a really neat way to invite people who might not otherwise go to church. People for whom the invitation is, hey, do you want to come to church, is an absolute no. The invitation became, hey, would you like to hear a speaker and have a free brunch? And we did amazing breakfasts. And had mediocre sermons, but it was okay uh, because, uh, because the brunch was great. But that, I think, becomes a great vehicle for inviting people who don't know Jesus and who might be a little bit intimidated by church into a place where they can experience worship they can experience uh, the study of the scriptures. They can experience community in, uh, and dialogue in community. And actually realize that church is not such a bad place. And, and when we opened that, it ran for about three months before the pandemic shut us down. It was attracting all kinds of people who had never been through the doors of our church before. And so I love that as an opportunity that we have to reach out to the community around us. Say, hey, it's a speaker and a brunch. And it's, it's such a good opportunity to invite people who might otherwise not feel real sure about church. So we're gonna bring that back very soon here in the fall. Uh, that's another piece of the puzzle uh, that, is, uh, that is coming. That's another, another part of the waters we're gonna have to cross. Before too long after that, uh, we're going to uh, open up our worship service in our Glendora campus. Uh, and I need I need you to have this one clearly in mind because I realize not everybody not everybody understands what we're doing here we are not moving out of our Valley Center campus we're not going to be just at the Glendora campus the Glendora campus will function like the chapel where I stand right here and we have uh, a band and a host pastor in the chapel and we video feed the sermon And we have a band and a host pastor on the Glendora campus, and we video feed the sermon. So we're going to be in three venues on two campuses at the same time on Sunday mornings. And of course, those of you who are online can continue to worship online if you so choose. Uh, Just wanted to make sure that we begin to see that picture forming. Meanwhile, there are all kinds of other things going around the church. Uh, We're trying to start a Spanish-speaking worship service on Sundays, that's gonna come. We've still got our Japanese congregation meeting on Sunday afternoons over here. We've now got an Anglican congregation meeting on Sunday afternoons in Glendora. Uh, All kinds of things going on because the Bible says the church should be a house of prayer for all the nations. And so that's what we're doing. We're creating a house of prayer for all the nations, including those Spanish speaking nations, including Japan, including uh, England. I think that's where the Anglicans are from, from England, right? Although, you know, I went to their service a couple weeks ago, not a one of them had an accent. I think something's up. Anyway, uh, all kinds of neat things going on in the life of our church. Pray for that and begin to prepare for the fact that uh, that means change in our world. Uh, Keep this in mind. Bear this in mind. There there are three lessons to take from what you see coming this fall. Um, One, uh, we're going to grow by multiplication and not just expansion. There are some pastors and some churches that say, let's just get bigger and bigger right here on this campus. And that's not what we're doing. I'd rather plant 10 small to medium-sized churches than have one growing megachurch. And that's not to fault megachurches. God bless them for what they do. This is just how I think we're going to disciple people as a church. Uh, I'd love to plant 10 small to medium-sized churches and uh, empower congregations all over the place and uh, leave behind a legacy of new churches. Uh, And so we're going to grow by multiplication and not just expansion, which means we're not going to be a church of just one location. So if you grew up in a church of just one location, or if your last church was a church of just one location, realize this is something a little bit different. If this is your first church, this is totally normal, this is what everybody's doing, don't ask questions. (laughs) Uh, We're we're gonna do it this way, we're gonna see how it goes, and we're gonna ask God to bless us as we go. So that's number one, realize that's, that's the shape of our church. Number two, realize that when you come to real life, you have signed up for change. Change is the name of the game. And there are all kinds of churches out there that settle into the style that worked for them in the 1980s, and they like it now because they liked it then, and they will not change it. And those churches are gonna die, and that's a shame. Uh, Churches that uh, stop changing are churches that stop growing. And if we want to reach people in each year, we have to learn the language of each year. So this year, we're learning the language of 2021. Next year, we'll learn the language of 2022. Next year, we'll learn the language of 2023. And we will translate the gospel into the language of each year. The gospel does not change, but the seasons do. Okay. So realize number two, when you come to real life, you have signed up for change. Uh, Number three, uh, and pay attention to this one, um, don't forget where we came from. Uh, We are a people who have been dependent on a God who blesses us when we do not deserve it and who does miracles in our midst. Never, never forget that. Do not come to a point where you are saying, we are really talented. Isn't it great that we have leadership? Isn't it great that we are strategic planners? Don't say those kinds of things. People will say, hey, what's going on in real life? Don't just say, well, the people are real nice and that's why it works. Don't say, for God's sake, don't say, it's really good luck, good fortune for us. That's not Christianity, right? Don't say, uh, have you seen how handsome our pastor is? Like, I get it. I mean, that that comes out of my mouth sometimes, so I totally understand, but don't don't say that. When people ask what's going on in real life, say, Jesus is good, because that's the right answer. Jesus is good. And we are a people who are dependent on a God who works supernaturally in ways that we do not deserve. Jesus is good. And when we face change, uh, you know what I like about Jesus? He carries me across the waters. So let's look at the three different times in the Bible. Did you think of them? The three different times in the Bible where somebody has to cross over an ocean, cross over uh, the waters. I'm going to do three of them, but I'm not going to do them in the order they appear in the Bible. Number one, there is a season in uh, the life of Israel where the prophets rise up and say, Israel, you need to be faithful or else. God will let our kingdom fall apart. And one of those prophets is named Jonah. And God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Assyria and to the capital of Assyria, Nineveh, and I want you to tell them to repent and live faithfully. And Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh. And if you knew anything about Nineveh, you would understand why he did not want to go there. Nineveh would be, it'd be the call to go to a nation that doesn't worship your God and doesn't like you and will not welcome you as a foreigner. It would be the call, go to Pyongyang, North Korea and preach there, see how that goes. uh, Nineveh, Nineveh's goddess was Ishtar, sort of the the head goddess of the the polytheistic culture. There was Ishtar, and Ishtar was the goddess of of war, sex, and uh, and natural disasters, storms. Right. So, sort of a violent, vitriolic god, uh, the god of um, destructiveness, right? War, destructiveness. The god of of sexuality, and in a licentious way, uh, the Historians believe that the uh, temples to Ishtar involved prostitution as part of the ritual practices in those, those temples, right? The goddess of uh, loose licentiousness, and then the goddess of, of storms, the god of bad weather, right? Self-destructiveness, sexuality, and bad weather. That's Las Vegas, Imagine being told, go stand out on the the Las Vegas Strip and see how many people you can lead to Christ out there. Some people would love that, but some people would really not want to go there. And Jonah was one of those people who looked at a culture like that and said, "Uh uh-uh. And so what Jonah did was to get on a boat and sail in the other direction to try to get as far away from Nineveh as he could when God told him to go. Uh, And here's what happened. A, A huge storm welled up on the sea. And the sailors on the boat were very religious, and they said, there must be an angry God out there, Poseidon, or, you know, there's some God out there who's mad at us. Which one of you offended God? And, you know, Jonah kind of, you know, looks at his feet and doesn't answer, and they're like, no, 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 anybody. Did anybody offend a God that might have made God mad that's bringing this storm? And Jonah's like, darn, that guy. Disobedient. I'd throw that guy overboard if I could. And so they got out the little you know, little spinner and the arrow points to Jonah. And they go, aha, it's you! And he goes, best two of three? And they throw him overboard. And so Jonah ends up in the ocean and he is swallowed by a big fish. Uh, and in case you're out there going, there's no way that happened. Did you read uh, a month ago in June, there was a, a lobster fisherman off the coast, and I believe it was in Maine, and he was out diving and fishing for lobsters and all of a sudden he was in the dark And at first he thought he had been eaten by a shark. I saw an interview with this guy. He realized he had been swallowed by a humpback whale. And about 30 seconds later, the whale spit him out. And so this is is a real story. So Jonah is swallowed by a whale and spit up on a beach right outside Assyria, right on the way to Nineveh. And so Jonah begrudgingly goes into Nineveh to do what God wants him to do. Now pause for a minute. Pay attention to this. You can resist God's call on your life if you want to. But think about how that's going to go. Jonah was strong-willed and and wanted to reject God. And God showed him where there's a will, there's a whale. And just bear in mind, if you know what God has called you to in your life right now, I mean, if you are very clear that there's something God wants you to do, and you are fighting it, Where there's a will, there's a whale. Just be prepared. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He preaches. They actually repent. They pivot. And they begin to obey God. And then Jonah is mad because he wanted them to be cursed by God for being bad people. Well, this is the first way to get across the ocean. The first way to get across the ocean is to fight against God and let God do it his way instead of you obeying and going as he's called you to go. It's not a pleasant way to go. Uh, But but God's will is going to be done whether we like it or not. And I remember a season in my life where God sent uh, a whale uh, into my life. I was a student at Princeton Seminary. Uh, We had all graduated. My friends were getting jobs across the country. They were moving out. And I was still sitting in the dorms. And I was watching one room after another in the dorms empty out and thinking, I'm going to be the last person working at Starbucks and sitting in the dorms and waiting for a job. And I didn't want to be that guy. So a church uh, that I interviewed with said, you're the one, God's calling you to be our pastor, come out here and work for us. And something in my heart didn't quite sit right about it. And I was pretty sure I was supposed to wait. But I did not want to be the last guy living in the dorms and working as a barista and waiting for God. So I just said yes to a church that for some reason I didn't feel entirely good about. They said all the right things but something in my heart said this isn't the right one. Six months into that job, I realized how bad that decision was. The, uh, the church was um, theologically in a very different place than I was. So I would preach messages in which I said, Jesus was God in human form, and to be a follower of Jesus, you have to believe that. And I would get angry letters in the offering plate on the prayer cards about how Pastor Jim is too conservative for this congregation. There was a a woman in her 70s who would come to my adult education classes and I would say things like sex is meant for marriage and she would raise her hand and go, well I don't think anybody would have me but I'd shack up with somebody in a second if I could and that was my church setting. Now this was not Nineveh and there was no repentance at the end of this This was me resisting God's call to wait on him and just grabbing the first job I could. And where there's a will, there's a whale. And it took me a season of living in that church and realizing it's better to wait on God and do what God wants than running away and trying to find your own way. So the first person to try to get across the waters that I wanna call attention to today is Jonah. And Jonah made it across the waters against his own will. That's probably not the best way to go. Secondly, another person who made it across the waters was Noah, earlier on in the Bible, right? Noah lived in a season where people were horrible and violent, it says. And uh, God said to Noah, I've had enough of this. Uh, I'm going to flood the earth. I want you to build a boat that's the size of a football field and a half. And you are going to become a zookeeper on a cruise ship for as long as I say. And Noah obeyed God and uh noah built this boat and you know the story He put all the animals on the boat and the floods came and noah floated around for 40 days and that is how noah made it across the water now think about what noah was doing as he was building that boat he uh, endured all kinds of ridicule from the people around him who thought he was a crazy person Uh, they mocked him and he went at it doing what he was supposed to do but doing it with hard labor Doing it by his own effort. Building the boat and doing what he was supposed to do by his own energies. And it must have been exhausting. And some of us are in this place right now. You might be in this place right now where you are trying to be faithful and obedient. And you are doing it all on your own efforts. And it's exhausting. And you might know people around you who make fun of you. There might be uh, somebody at work who told you to cut corners and you didn't because it was unethical, and then somebody else got promoted. Or you might have been in a relationship and said you weren't willing to hook up because your life is committed to Jesus and that person unfriended you or whatever you do on those apps, right? You you may be in that place where you are trying to be faithful to God by your own efforts, and you find it exhausting. Listen, if anybody makes fun of you for that, you give them an umbrella because Noah was saved by God. But it was an exhausting season, doing this hard work by his own efforts. There's a third person who crossed the ocean. Uh, and I want to hold out to you that this is a, a different and maybe better way to go at it. There was a season in the life of God's people where they were fleeing from slavery in Egypt. And Pharaoh and his army were chasing them. And the Red Sea was up in front of them. And Moses led them towards this this ocean in front of them there was death in front of them and death behind them and if you look at exodus chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 it says moses says to the people do not be afraid the lord will deliver you today these egyptians in front of you you're never going to see them again you only need to be still the lord will fight for you you need only to be still and moses goes to the water and places his staff in it and the oceans part, and the people go through on dry land. Well, I want to suggest to you that as we face the the options of getting across the waters that lay in front of us, when we face uh, challenges and change in life, there there are uh, the options of resisting God and running in our own directions, uh, doing it on our own efforts and finding out how exhausting that is, or letting God part the waters for us. That Exodus 14 passage is so important to me personally because I know what it feels like to have God part waters in front of you. Because there was a season in my life where I was was looking to get out of ministry and I was applying to schools and universities because I didn't want to do this anymore. And some friends of mine held a Bible study in a park uh, and asked me on Friday to lead it. And on Sunday, more than 100 people showed up. And my friends stood up without my permission at that gathering and said, we're going to be a church. And not long after that, we were given a school in which to meet. And a season after that, we were given a building in which to meet. And now look at us today. Look at real-life church. We've baptized over 125 people in the last five years. We've been given buildings. This kind of thing is not normal. If you've never been a part of a church before, if this is your first church, I I want you to realize this is not normal. God has parted waters for us. Why would we want it any other way? Why would I ever go back to running away from God and saying, I don't want to do it your way? Why would I do that? Where there's a will, there's a whale. I don't want to do that again. Why would I ever go back to trying to do things on my own efforts and prove myself through obedience and hard work? God likes to part the waters for us, and God has done it for us as a church, and God can do it for you, and it begins with a commitment of faith. It begins with that moment of just saying, Jesus, I think you know more about this life than I do, and I want to hand this over to you. I'm just going to let go and give you my life. You lead me. You part the waters in front of me. I'm just going to be still. And if you've never made that decision before and you make it today, today's the day you become a Christian. Today's the day you become a follower of Jesus. Today's the day that you let God handle the seas that are in front of you. The next step is baptism. Cross those waters next. right? Baptism is that moment where we gather together as a community and in the baptismal pool we dunk you under the waters for a second and we symbolize with the washing of water the fact that God has washed our hearts clean. God has washed away our old life and set us free to new life. And if you, like one of the many kids at our vacation Bible school, have decided to follow Jesus and never been baptized, that's the next step. That's the next way of saying, I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart. And we can do that in your swimming pool or in our baptismal or down at the beach if you want to. But take that step if you haven't taken it before. And then we just live a life following Jesus where he calls. And when he tells us to cross waters, when he tells us that change is coming, when he tells us to stand firm, we follow after him. Because it's always better to have him part the waters for us than to try to do it on our own or to run in the other direction. It occurs to me that there's one other time in the Bible where somebody uh, tries to cross uh, the waters Uh, And it's in the Gospels, it's in the story of Jesus. Shortly before dawn, this is in Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. If you live your life looking at Jesus and walking in his direction, the waters will never get in the way. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have parted the waters for us, that you call us to follow after you. Forgive us for those many times that we have run in the opposite direction. Bring us back gently and graciously and clearly. Put us on a path of trusting you and following you. God, for those times that we have exhausted ourselves by our own efforts, show us how to live by faith, knowing that you're a good God who loves to part the waters for his people. Teach us to take on those challenges that you have laid before us with confidence and without fear, knowing that you're a good God who goes before us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.